Today's episode of the Channel 33 podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling sports and music tickets. SeatGeek makes buying tickets on your phone a total snap. Just two taps, you can instantly buy tickets to an event that same day. Have your tickets delivered straight to your phone and enter the event without ever having to print a ticket. If you can't go to the game or show, you can sell your tickets directly from your app in less than 30 seconds. With SeatGeek, there's no guesswork. You'll know exactly where you're sitting, what you will pay, and whether or not you're getting a good deal all right from your phone. So drop your old ticket app and experience buying and selling tickets the way it should be. To start using SeatGeek, download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Before we get started, I also want to mention that The Ringer now has merch. Go to bit.ly.com slash ringer merch where you can find shirts and hoodies. A portion of the proceeds from each purchase will benefit Charity Water, a nonprofit organization that provides clean and safe drinking water to people in developing nations. Again, go to bitly.com slash ringer merch and cop some hoodies and shirts. Welcome to Channel 33's Soccer Podcast. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com. And I'm Ryan O'Hanlon. I'm also an editor at TheRinger.com. And Ryan is one of our chief... Is it, you are a chief soccer writer. Who's, who's your competition? Uh, Kevin Clark. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And we've retired his he's number. He's gone forever. Yeah, this is Kevin Clark's testimonial podcast. No, Ryan and I are here. It's a, it's a post-Euros uh, time of year. We're getting ready for the season unbelievably. Community Shield is august 7th is that real that's it's crazy how it is that ends. possible the season itself starts the next week uh ryan but now i mean the cool thing about this time of year is it is transfer season which mm-hmm. is a time for everybody with an internet connection to pretend to be <laughs> experts on currency value uh contract add-ons agent fees and financial stability of Things certain like multi-billion dollar franchises amortization yeah exactly well. um before we get into transfer rumors and talking about transfers in general uh let's just hit some some news and i think the big news coming out of the euros aside from mark wilmot's finally getting fired much to your delight <laughs> is um obviously roy hodgson uh was fired or relieved of his duties or he stepped down however you want to put it after England lost to Iceland in the Euros, and uh, the news started immediately speculating on who would be his replacement. And for a while there, we almost uh, sent Jurgen Klinsmann back over the pond to Europe. But instead, uh, Sam Allardyce, uh, most recently of Sunderland, is going to be taking over England. What is your take on Big Sam coaching England? First of all, I want to say it's a shame that the German-American soccer messiah could not add England to that convoluted title. Um, that would have been quite the the triple board score for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I honestly, I like I like the big Sam. Uh, Two-year deal. Hire. Through World Cup. You know, it's England are hiring a manager from one of the worst teams in the Premier League. That's, that's one way we can look at this. Yeah, you could usually say that when you're talking about any team that Sam Allardyce has managed. That, that, that's true. No, that, I mean, he's actually had a couple of, like, seven eights place finishes in the premier league right yeah his bolton teams were were fun back in the day with a coach and i just remember bolton like always breaking dudes legs fairly or unfairly i just yeah. feel like i just did like a sea of arsenal bodies well on yeah the they field. had that and then they had like one or two guys who you liked watching to like paper over it they had jack wilshire on loan when owen Coyle. I remember that that Bolton team yeah. was actually pretty fun. Sturridge was on loan there too. Oh yeah, should we just make this a Bolton podcast? David, are they at, like the conference <laughs> now? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Yeah, um, but I like it. I mean, it's part of what we 
one of the big themes we talked about in the Euros is that, you know, international soccer is just really not home to any of the elite managers right. um, anymore. And to expect England to have hired some, like, Jose Mourinho-level guy, I think, is just completely unrealistic. And right. I think Big Sam knows—I keep calling him Big Sam, like, um, like his <laughs> younger brother like or something. Like Gary <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think he, you know, knows the English game well, and he does every team he's managed. He's sort of exceeded expectations in a way. That's yeah. partially because I think he takes a lot of low expectation jobs, and the England job is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, he takes teams in distress, solidifies them, makes them very hard to beat. Yeah, starts every game with the idea that that's a point. Yeah, all you have to do is lose <laughs> that point. And typically, you know, after a couple of years, he gets the best results and then the team tunes him out slash he starts to get a little ornery about how he wishes he could be buying bigger players or looking for a bigger job. So he's been, it's been Bolton, it's been Newcastle, it's been Sunderland. Um, West Ham. The thing is is that England is a team in distress and is a team that needs to be solidified and is a team that probably needs to be a little bit more cynical because they don't necessarily have the talent to play like flashy football. Yeah, and it's... It's sort of a question of like what what they want to achieve, right? Because it's yeah. I think in England they want to just win whatever competition they're in. That's like the ultimate goal in the back of people's minds, even if they're not saying it. Just because you know England is the home of the sport, yes, yeah. that's in quotes, um, and the Premier League's there. But I, I think the thing is, they just you really just want consistent performances. You don't you want your team to sort of at least at worst meet your talent level, right? Which they didn't do at these Euros, right. and they seem to almost never do. I think that the underlying message here is Sam Allardyce would not have let us lose to Iceland. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, even if somebody had to go down and scythe down an Icelandic yeah. player. <laughs> and the thing is, if you don't lose to Iceland, then you're you're in the quarterfinals. Yeah. That's probably about where you are anyway, top eight teams. When you get to the quarterfinals, who knows what happens. I'm very excited about the prospect of Allardyce in Russia, just in general. But I think that we want to talk a little bit about what this means, insanely enough, for the USMNT, because this was the first sort of taste that America, United States had of their manager possibly getting poached. I mean, mm-hmm. that's never, I don't think, happened before for, for the, our national team. No. Um, when you were dealing with the very real prospect of, or the possibly real prospect, I think it, it, it may have just been Jurgen Klinsmann's agent is very good at keeping his name in the press. Mm-hmm. But when you were considering that, what was your, were you thinking, that's that's fine, take him? Were you thinking, oh, God, please no, his work is not done here? Um, if I position myself as an American soccer fan, yeah. um, a realistic American soccer fan, sure. um, I I would have wanted, you know, someone to take him off my hands because it does, it does sort of seem like the people that are most invested in Jurgen Klinsmann are the people at the top of U.S. soccer and... Right like no one else in U.S. soccer. I think he sort of came in with all of these sort of high-minded ideals for how to fix American soccer, which is fine, but like the American soccer problem is, you know, at once we have all of the resources in the world, but at the same time, we're such a big country that it's so hard to get your arms around those yeah. resources and develop players. And Klinsman is just like, he's sort of an idealist. He's not, you know, the m- most nuanced 
intelligence and in intelligent in a nuanced way person you'll meet and his his game-to-game tactics are just not good i think he um, would have been in a weird way perfect for england first yeah. of all he's a personality who probably could have handled the pressure of the media uh second of all i think he's in some ways the flip side of the coin of sam allardyce he's somebody you bring in when there is talent there already mm-hmm. and there is people there are players who kind of know what they're doing but need to just feel good about the project yeah he's like a great cheerleader but i don't know that he can make an average midfielder above average exactly i think he can make an average mid above average midfielder feel really good about who he is exactly i mean there's the thing that we can conflate is like the manager of the u.s national team is not the person overseeing the development of like the klinsman is because he's the technical director but the man specific manager of the u.s his job is to just make the national team perform mm-hmm. at the highest level, right? He's not necessarily developing this deep embedded soccer culture within the country. And Klinsman doesn't do that. The results of the team are roughly the exact same as they were yeah. under Bob Bradley. Um, and the U.S. wants a guy that can help the talent level of this team punch above its weight, right? Right. Um, which Klinsman just isn't. Maybe with a talented team, Klinsman can kind of do the will mozzi and roll the ball out there and just or he could just get somebody who like a a a yogi love who understands tactics maybe a little bit better and jurgen's i you know job is to put an arm around the guy and say like you're the best right back i've ever seen yeah you just have to find it within yourself (laughs) yeah i don't know if that's actually what happens (laughs) um okay so that's the manager's side of things um yes or no question okay is jurgen klinsman managing the usmnt in russia in 2018 yes Okay. But very Is that his last tournament for us? Yes. Okay. His contract goes till 2020, I think. Uh, I think it's through 2018, but I 2018. Okay. Um the other big news right now in 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 world soccer is the ongoing transfer saga of Paul Pogba. So Pogba is the French midfielder who plays for Juventus in in the Italian Serie A. He is probably the most coveted for sale player right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the extent that Juventus wants to sell him. You wrote a piece before the Euro started about Pogba and how there is usually a ripple effect signing, right? Mm-hmm. About how every summer there's a signing that can change the league the player is leaving, the league the player is arriving to, and all these teams around it because these teams have to change their shopping lists based on what's happening. Now we're seeing like an incredible arms race happen in yeah. England right now because of all the managerial talent. There's a lot, like these guys are really good recruiters. Um, it looks like Manchester United is going to get Pogba, which is hysterical because they let him go for free. And now they are paying in some reports upwards of a hundred million euros for him with a 220,000 <laughs> per week salary. I saw, um, this has been an incredible story. Pogba's in Miami playing basketball with Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> His barber apparently tweeted that he was going to be sold to Manchester United imminently. Instagrammed. Yeah, Instagram. I think. Um, he's definitely the ripple effect. Let's talk about some of the, the ripples, okay? okay. Um, do you think Paul Pogba is the kind of player that puts United in the top two for the Premier League? I don't know if he puts them in the top two immediately, but I think he puts them like well on the path to being where they want to be, which is back in the Champions League and next year and back, you know, atop the Premier League um, sooner rather than later. I think, you know, the rumor is what, a hundred million pounds. Um, is, it, is it pounds? So I don't even know how much a pound is worth anymore. That's like basically yeah, like $30, right? Exactly. So it's like, <laughs> it's <a deal. laughs> that's like what the two of us would cost on yeah. the open market. Um, <laughs> 
but I think that's that's. If Juventus wants to buy me with the proceeds from this, sure. <laughs> like, they could buy both of us, and it wouldn't like adversely affect the team at all. I'll get Rosetta Stone. I'm happy to learn conversational <laughs> Italian. That's the only thing that's keeping you away yeah. from being in Syria. Um, it's a lot of money, and I think the way it's set up with incentives or whatever or performance related bonuses would make it the highest transfer of all time. And I think that is partially because Man United has to pay that amount of money to get this quality yes, player. Because they're outside of the Champions League. Yeah, they're outside of the Champions League and he's like you said, he's the best player available. Um I, I think that this is as good of a place as any, you know, I'm sure that if anybody's listening to this podcast, they probably have like a vague at least a vague idea of how transfers work. But it Pogba's transfer is like illustrative of a good it's a good way to say like why why would somebody want to leave the multi-time italian champions who regularly are in the final four of the champions league yeah. he's got good money he's living in a nice city in turin like what's the what why does pogba want to leave especially to go back to a club he's already left once so there's obviously a couple of different things at play here you might want to leave because you want to get better wages mm-hmm. because you can be offered a higher wage packet there's more money in tv in the premier league than there is in Serie A. um frankly there's just more intensity, I think, surrounding like scrutiny in terms of international television audience mm-hmm. surrounding the Premier League. Yeah. So you get that increased international exposure through Champions League or higher profile domestic games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester United is going to be a very watched game, yeah. regardless of the fact that neither of those teams is in Champions League. And this can lead to more valuable endorsement deals, which is obviously something Pogba has been exploring the Adidas commercial he made shot with Pusha for America. Like yeah. he is trying to. Um, make himself a known quantity throughout the Western world. Yeah. And beyond what he's trying to do, he's got a very powerful agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name? It's Mino Rayola. Yeah. And that's also his lot in Ibrahimovic's uh, agent. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to really consider the role of the agent in these uh, negotiations and in these deals, because without saying anything positive or negative about them, there's really not a lot for an agent to do unless the player is transferring. I mean, I'm sure there's a, there's plenty of psychological and like maintenance stuff that you can do, yeah. but those guys make their bones getting fees for pushing through transfers. Yeah, and it and because of the transfer structure, it's just like you don't hear about as often as you do in American sports about players' contracts. You yeah, know? like you don't hear about how Stephen Curry is the biggest bargain in the NBA and the, what are the Warriors going to do once his contract's up? You don't hear about that in soccer, and that's what the agent does right. in American sports. I can't even begin to speculate how many transfers are like the work of an agent just wanting to move his player so he can skim some money Oh, and, the and quite frankly, are the work of an agent from soup to nuts? Yeah. Are the work of an agent going to other teams and saying, what about, would you be interested in my client? Would you be, what kind of role would my client have on your team? What kind of wages would you be able to offer? What kind of opportunities yeah. in terms of endorsements or sponsorship or image rights are we talking about? Would he be the billboard, the person on a billboard saying, welcome to Manchester? Yeah. And if you want to see an example of this at work, and I don't mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not even implying anything nefarious, but think about what just happened in the States this summer. LeBron James almost single-handedly along with you know some other guys but comes back from 3-1 down to be the best regular season nba team of all time yeah and a week later we're talking entirely about kevin durant yeah entirely Mm -hmm. and you know um the euros just happened and france lost yeah and all we're talking about is paul pogba that's true um this is good agenting Mm -hmm. like paul pogba has been discussed on the guardian in the daily mail Every movie he's made has been documented and fawned over and speculated upon. 
this is what we want to talk about in the summers is player movement. So this is where the agents make their money. It is. And, you know, there's a benefit to, like I was saying, Man U is desperate for Pogba. So they're going to pay more than anyone else in the world, I think, is willing to pay. So there's a benefit to the agent for bringing his player to a team that pays the most because he gets a certain percentage of that transfer fee. When I think about the best Mourinho midfield, though, Mm -hmm. Pogba doesn't seem like a typical Mourinho midfielder. He seems like much more of like an improviser and a freelancer. Yeah. Uh, I think of, you know, those inter midfields of like Thiago Mata. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Matarazzi didn't play a lot. Who else is in those midfields? Like I think of like Modic and Essien, Mm -hmm. McAuley. I guess Lampard moved, went vertical a lot, but Pogba is such like a, a, a perfect midfielder, but also a very atypical one. Yeah. Well, the, the way to look at it is like, Think about two years ago when Chelsea just sort of walked to Mm -hmm. the Premier League title. They had Nemanja Matic, this once great defensive midfielder. I don't, we'll see what happens with him in the future. Like crazy drop off for him. Yeah. Like had some kind of disease maybe that he didn't realize he had. I'm, I'm speculating. That's like the way to explain his performance. Right. Um, he played Cesc Fabregas, who's a attacking midfielder deeper in midfield right next to Matic. And it's like, a creative midfielder that deep in midfield like Pogba can do that a hundred times better than Fabregas can because he has all of the more, he has more athleticism and can provide more defensively and can run with the ball at his feet so it's like you mentioned Lampard if Mourinho wants Pogba to play the Lampard role he can do that better than Lampard could so I think it's sort of up to Mourinho as we kind of found out this summer with France it's sort of like Pogba is so good at everything and he can do anything you need to pick what you want him to do that one maximizes his talents the most and helps your team the most. Um, There's a couple of different kinds of ways to approach buying players, right? So there's the way that Edward Woodward would like to do this, which is (laughs) to buy the most expensive, most famous player and make a huge splash because I think he's got some metrics that suggest that's the way to generate interest in your brand. That's the way you get, you know, Chinese television super subscriptions and full stadiums on preseason tours mm-hmm. and jersey sales. I saw something weird today about jersey sales and that Anthony Martial was the the number one jersey for Man U. I don't know. Was that true? I, I saw Sid Lowe from The Guardian tweeting about that or putting up a tweet from somebody else about that. I thought that was really interesting, though. Yeah. Um, so you could do that. You can go after the big names, typically Barca, Bayern, uh, Real, Man U, Chelsea, Man City, those are that those are the type of names they go for. A weird way, I think City's kind of fallen off in that department a little bit. I think they've just probably a, a good thing. Yeah, I think not necessarily. I think that City is going to be great next year. Yeah. I don't think that that really matters. If they get Tony Cruz, I'm going to probably get a tattoo of Manchester <laughs> City into my back. Um, and then you can do the Arsenal way, which is sort of to buy the guy who got left out of the rotation in one of those big clubs, mm-hmm. be it Alexis Sanchez or Mesut Ozil. Yeah. Then you can do the Newcastle kind of buy to sell thing where yeah. you scout, say, a French league, the Dutch league, the Belgian league, wherever, to get players to come in on five, seven, 12 million, now probably $20 million deal, pound deals. And then you sell those guys with an eye towards selling them on after a year or two. Yeah. But then there's the teams I think you and I are both interest, the most interested in. And those are the Juventuses, the Liverpools the Borussia Dortmunds, who seem to really focus on identifying 
good talent that they are going to like use their coaching staff. They're going to slip those guys to their coaching staff and mm-hmm. hope to build them into the next it was Laton's Pogba's Aguero's Silva's whoever. Yeah. Though that's the most exciting thing for me. And I, and the more I've been listening to transfer talk this summer, the more I've been thinking about how much money is probably paid in a premium just for the name. Yeah. When you don't actually think about Luis mm-hmm. Suarez was an Eredivisie striker <laughs> yeah. six years ago. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, Neymar was just a guy at Santos. These these players, even though they probably had some hype around them, you eventually have to put the work into them. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about what Dortmund and Liverpool have been doing because these are two teams that are pretty close to our hearts. Yeah. Tell what I think at some point you said to me. Somebody should just look at what Dortmund is doing and buy every guy that they're interested in because they are they've basically replaced with the exception of Goetze coming back and some of the other guys came back. They've replaced the Klopp team. Yeah, uh, they've totally replaced it. And it's just like, yeah, like what I was saying to you is if you see a guy rumored as being associated with Borussia Dortmund, possible transfer there, you you should just go try to buy him. And knowing how smart Borussia Dortmund is, they'd probably just start putting out misinformation and making, you know, Liverpool and Tottenham by the wrong player. Yeah, right. um, by saying they're associated with them. But I think the thing is, like, there are like teams like Newcastle. You mentioned like it's with their owner Mike Ashley. They're they're sort of running the team like a business, and you want to just turn yeah, over. You want to turn over every player, and you don't even really care. You don't really give a shit about how good your team. is. Yeah, you just, you'd like to stay in the league for the yeah. TV money, but falling out of the league is the parachute payments aren't bad either. Yeah, while Dortmund is sort of at once running their team like a business in that they buy guys that they know they're going to yeah obamayang will get sold yeah and they'll raise these guys values um but they also are buying guys that they know will be able to contribute to their team at a very high level and you know allow them to compete in the champions league so it's a sort of a a balancing act of like matching your ambitions with your economic reality which they do yeah. with, like better than anyone like like this summer they've bought well, usman um, dembele is the big one right i mean like yeah. in terms of so far what we've seen from him it's yeah. just like oh you, this he, guy is gonna be on real madrid in five years yeah or like after next season like he, he looks like the best soccer player i've ever seen it's in insane though. i mean i this and this is great for for them i ancelotti is amazing yeah but they must feel like if they can put some stuff together here, if that team doesn't take too long to gel, they can really compete with Byron this year. Yeah, you would think so. Um, I mean, Byron's incredible, but yeah. I just mean anytime there's a managerial change, which, which is why it's interesting that so they've bought nine guys this summer. Oldest guy is 25. Right. There's Gutza who's 24, um, and then everyone else is 22 or younger. So it's like they're buying guys that are young that they think can help them compete now that. The, but they also know we'll get better and we'll probably leave eventually. And they, they buy that many young players knowing that, you know, not every young player pans out, but if three of them do. Right. That's why you take a Yana's eye on, on loan. Yeah. Probably just to see if like, if Tuchel can work some magic, if the Bundesliga makes more sense for this guy. Yeah. That works out. Yeah. 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 I think that you see something, you know, it's, it's been, it's been interesting to watch Liverpool. Ryan and I with Liverpool fans, I get your, get your bias out, but you know, Liverpool, I think, has been doing something similar where there were rumors earlier in the summer that they were, in, they were going to be in for Lewandowski or mm-hmm. they were going to be in for some other big player, you know. And I think that they're doing good work by, I mean, $25 million for that kid from Newcastle who apparently has, quote-unquote, no heart, according to Newcastle <laughs> yeah, fans. Yeah. And if Newcastle fans are saying <laughs> you have no heart, you've got an issue. But, uh, 
you know, I think that that Windelum is like an, a good example of a kid who has just pretty much nowhere but up to go. Yeah. And you can do a lot of different stuff. The other thing about what Dortmund and Liverpool do is that where with United, we're like kind of a little in the dark as to how they're going to line up. And it seems mm-hmm. like it's a collection of names that Mourinho is going to have to fit into positions. Yeah. There is no question of how Dortmund or Liverpool are going to play. And so that they can buy guys against a very core philosophy. And that's the same thing that City are doing. Yeah. Um, they know how Pep Guardiola wants to line the team up. And so guys can either get on board, get out. But when they buy guys, they're going to buy this dude from Schalke, right? What's it, what was the guy there? They Leroy were, Sané. Yeah. And it's like he is a perfect Guardiola player. Yeah. Like Douglas Costa, like whoever. You know, he's he is like a perfect buy for him. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with sort of Manchester United's issue is that they have had no identity whatsoever since Sir Alex Ferguson left. And their identity with him, like, I don't even know what that it's was. It's intangible. It How can like you have an identity he... out of, like, sweeping, attacking football and trusting in youth? Yeah. That's not, like, the same thing as we're looking for guys who can counterpress into the, onto the wings. Yeah, and... exactly. But so when you're changing your managers off this often, you really don't have this, like, unified, like, organizational structure. You can't be selective with your players. You kind of get into this world where you're just buying whoever the best player is available and trying to fit them in. Um, with Pogba, I think, like I said, I think he can fit into any team. Um, but it's true. And then like what you said with Liverpool, it's interesting with Liverpool because they're sort of like, <laughs> like we're talking about Liverpool as this team that is buying young players that are going to help the team. And then maybe they'll leave Liverpool, yeah. uh, for more than they came for. But Liverpool's also just do plucking players from teams below them in yes. the Premier League. So there's this like hierarchy where a guy goes to the premier league then he goes to liverpool and then he goes to maybe man city right. or a team like the, that the, the the key in 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 european soccer is big bank eats little bank and yeah. you just have to be you have to hold on to your players for just long enough to either get the best possible price or win the most amount you possibly can i mean yeah. leicester city is going to be is being like taken apart even if Marez stays yeah They've lost Conte. They've lost their director of recruitment to yeah. Everton. We'll get on to Everton in a little bit. And they are, and, and Marez is being, is people are kicking the tires on Marez. Vardy didn't wind up going, but this is going to be a different team, you know? But they had something where they were like, we're going to get Drinkwater Simpson, Marez Vardy, Huth Morgan, and Schmeichel. And that's going to be the spine of this team that we're going to play pretty much whenever they possibly are healthy. That will yeah. be the spine of the team. Yeah. And they won the league. And they're going to be in Champions League. They do not nearly have probably the depth to play in Champions League and in the Premier League and in domestic cups. Yeah, not but yet. They, they, even a team that wins the Premier League, there's a bank coming to call their note in. Yeah. And that's the, that's what you have to do. I and mean, this happens to Arsenal even. I mean, the Arsenal's yeah. in the Champions League for the last 15 years and it happens to them. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a bank above every team other than basically Real Madrid, yeah, uh, Barcelona. Yeah, because PSG has it. to deal with the competition factor. Yeah, PSG basically has to deal with guys getting bored. Yeah, they they can essentially like like I don't know if PSG's ever winning. If Real Madrid and Barca also want the guy PSG wants one, I don't know if that player would even want to go to PSG. I mean, it obviously depends on a lot of personal reasons behind why you go where you yeah. go. But like ultimately like Barcelona and Real Madrid are still always. I don't have the that. figures in front of me, but like I guarantee you that more people watch La Liga than Liga. 
yeah. across the world. And you know, you have to know that. Yeah. That's not even close. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about, let's do some fantasy shopping for some teams here. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about like this idea that we've, we'll play transfer matchmaker okay. and we're going to talk about, we're going to pair teams with players. So why don't you go first? We have like two, about two each and we'll wrap up with this. Okay. My first one is James Rodriguez of Real Madrid transferring to Arsene Wenger's arsenal. Um, I partially suge suggest that as a joke because that's sort of been the arsenal transfer over the past uh, two or three years, which is really not a bad strategy of you realize that Real Madrid and Barcelona can only play 11 players at one time. So there are going to be players that are good enough to play for those teams, but they get unhappy because they don't play. So they signed Mesut Ozil um, from Real Madrid. Then they signed Alexi Sanchez from Barcelona. And now it seems like James Rodriguez is the latest sort of uh, victim of that top of La Liga churn. Um, and he's available yeah. to buy. Um, it would be in kind of insane if they bought him because they have a thousand attacking midfielders yes. and just throwing another one in. But Arsene Wenger loved him during the World Cup and he couldn't stop talking about him. So I think it would be it would be the kind of move that would inspire a lot of Arsene LOL. Uh, that's so Arsenal uh, reaction. Are they keeping Walcott and Chamberlain? Sure. Keep them all. Keep Wilshire, keep Cazorla, keep Ramsey. <laughs> keep Ramsey. Keep Ozil. Find something for Awobi to do. And Drew is still the only pure striker you have. Yeah, just just don't buy a striker because why would you buy a striker? Because if you bought Lukaku, <laughs> you might win the league. No, exactly. And this is this is sort of it gets at the larger point of Arsenal keeps they buy guys that seem like the same sort of player. Yeah. And is that I don't know if that's because maybe because those are the best values you can find. At, at attacking midfielder and it's impossible to find good value at striker because the position is such a premium right but then it's like you get into the idea and he probably like, feels like he can move james rodriguez all over the field too whereas yeah. drew can only play at the top of the of an, a formation he probably feels like he there's james rodriguez could play three different positions yeah exactly um but I mean, Arsenal nearly had Jamie Vardy, which was sort of a nearly bought him earlier this summer because before Vardy sort of, which would have been the Peter Check move. Yeah, this summer. before Vardy was like, actually, no, I'm staying at Leicester, and I think it would be funny if he was like, I'm staying at Leicester, and then all of the other good players on Leicester left, and he was <laughs> just there funny. to fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. That sort of signaled like a tr uh, departure from their typical buy a younger-ish player and develop him um, model. But I don't know who the guy is then that you buy, the older striker that you buy. I mean, I guess For Iguain or someone like that. But I mean, Iguain, that they, I mean, before he turned into Satan, Benzema was a real yeah. big Arsenal rumor but the, target. The, the thing is with guys like that now... You know, you don't, you wouldn't buy that guy because you're inevitably going to have to give him a long contract to entice him to come. And the last two or three years, you're paying a shit. Well, the hard money. part is, I think, and, and Ted Knudsen talked about this on his podcast, but the, the the tension at Arsenal used to be that they were so good at developing young talent yeah. that they almost didn't have to work. I mean, they could move on Henri or, or even Fabregas, even if it was against their will, or Clichy or, yeah. you know, Sonia, because there were these guys nipping at their heels trying mm -hmm. to get in the team from the youth. Yeah, the youth squads, and now like Awobi's really good, you know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, he looks really yeah. good. Oxley Chamberlain uh, has had some injury problems and doesn't seem to have a natural position. Yeah, who else is like a Bellerin is a Barcelona project 
product. I'm trying to think of who Arsenal has brought in in the last two years, three years, that's been like, wow, you can really sell Ozil because this guy's coming. I can't think of anyone. Right. Um, but the thing is, it's we're sort of in a weird place with this Chinese league that is sort of willing to spend a lot of money on any name player where it's <laughs> like... Graziano Pelle. Well, yeah, yeah they, they bought Graziano Pelle, who's now, what is he, the fourth highest paid player yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, I think Hulk's probably high up there too, and he's another yeah. guy I got bought. Yeah, so it's like there is a sort of risky move you can make if you're Arsenal and you you buy this guy that you know his contract is going to be like an albatross the last two years and you might be able to offload him to China. So it's sort of like gives you an incentive to take a little bit more of a risk. Well, and that and speaking of those risks, the interesting thing about transfers this year and the interesting thing about transfers in the Premier League specifically is the sliding scale of where managers are in the arc of their careers yeah. at these clubs. Yeah. So Guardiola, Conte, Mourinho all need to show results, but all have a little bit more slack yeah. than usually they yeah. would have. Klopp also has a lot of house yeah, money I mean, after the Europa a, League final. And just got a new contract. Yeah, and everybody just thinks that he's the bee's knees. Yeah. But Wenger is gone in a year and a half. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And Wenger was flirting pretty heavily with the England national team job and was allegedly the number one choice. But it, the timing just didn't work out, and it would be <laughs> insane if he just like left I Arsenal to coach England. Like he did the time he didn't work out. Like they like gave him the wrong time to show up. Yeah, at FA offices. Yeah, it was the door was locked. And so for the last two seasons, I think there's been a touch to their buys that suggests he's going all in mm-hmm. to win one more before he goes. Yeah, which is divergent from. The everything is all about financial fair play is going to kick in. We have this stadium that's going to generate so much revenue. Yeah. We have an incredible youth academy that's going to be a talent pipeline. Yeah. We don't have to sacrifice, break the wage structure of the club and spend all this money. Yeah. And now, obviously, he's getting a little bit jumpier about that. But they still don't pull the trigger on every every summer. There's like a deal that Arsenal needs to make. And you're just like, I can't believe they're just not going to do this. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe Granit Zaka is that guy. Uh, for me, um, Everton is your favorite team. Not my favorite team, <laughs> but is a new player in a slightly. I think they they are jumping up with some new ownership. I believe from Moran uh, are jumping up um, a little bit in terms of their spending power. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Coleman's a good manager. At least he proved so at Southampton. Southampton mm-hmm. is just basically like Southampton makes and the world takes. Yeah. Um, I think that they could use a really special attacker right now. Mm-hmm. And Julian Draxler uh, is a German player who's been linked with Arsenal pretty heavily, but is another guy who is like, is he a striker? Is he a winger? Is he a 10? Yeah. I would love to see him on Everton. I would love to see him be the focal point of an attack for a Premier League side. And I think he's an excellent player. He's still really young, even though he's one yeah, of those guys who's 22. been in transfer rumors for like four years, it seems yeah. like. Um, believe he's on Schalke. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to play for Wolfsburg. He's on Wolfsburg. Used oh, he's on Wolfsburg. Schalke. Used to play for Schalke. Um, and I think he would just be an excellent player. I don't. Is Delafeu still on Everton, or did he get moved back? What What happened with him? I believe he's still there. Um, but yeah, you sort of you saw how. I think a lot of Everton fans were frustrated with how little Delafeu played last year because yeah. whenever he played, he would one it was fun to watch, and two he would make shit happen. Yeah. Um, to use a technical term. Um, I think if, you know, we saw last year West Ham bought Dimitri Payet 
uh, who ended up being, he's one of the best attacking midfielders in the world. And that's, that was sort of like, okay, this premier league having money thing is real. Yeah. Cause um, they, and they were also like, you know what he, I think he's 27, right? He, he, 28, 28. And they're like, you know, this is not a guy with a ton of resale value. Yeah. Although arguably I think you could probably get like 40 million for him now. Yeah. But they were like, we want to be good now. We want to we want to flirt with top four. We yeah. want to make a Europa League run. We want to make some cup runs. We need guys who can... And, and a guy like Payet, his value is not immediately apparent when you think... But you have to think about like what he does for the players around him mm-hmm. and how he makes maybe the younger assets you do have better. Yeah, and it's also like if you see him go there, that maybe makes you look at West Ham differently. Yeah. But the thing I'm thinking about Draxler is... Paya was older, so that maybe affects his value. Um, Draxler's 22 and has been talked about as this like huge prospect for a long time. So if like he went to a team like Everton, that would be an even bigger like holy shit. Yeah, uh, and he's also at 22. He's often been like the young guy out, like the fifth or sixth option on the German national yeah. side. And if he was going to go to Bayern, he would probably yeah. only play at once every three games. But it, on Everton, much like it is Schalke, I think he would get a lot of opportunities if he can stay healthy. Who's another transfer you had in your mind? Uh, this might show my Liverpool uh, bias, <laughs> which I think we've masked pretty well so far, especially with the suggestion you just made. Um, I think Christian Benteke to Crystal Palace or Dream on. insert any other sub top seven premier league team yeah would be a great move just because i think he didn't have a bad season at liverpool he just didn't fit in with what they did he still scored goals at the same rate he scores about a goal every two games so you know half a goal per 90 minutes which is a, a very good number for a team that's not in the top five of the premier league but he just didn't fit in the system that klopp uh wants to play he doesn't press and he sort of needs people to just feed him the ball um so i think it's like it's a good situation for a team to find a guy who his value is sort of accidentally depressed um and you can get him for the rumors are like 25 million which is a lot of money like i i couldn't hold that much money in my arms but compared to like what every other striker is going for in the world and he's what 23 24 yeah a proven guy who's scored a bunch yeah, international of really, level score like to get him for that price is sort of a steal this is mind. where the passion of certain teams kind of works against them sometimes mm-hmm. because i i just know from listening to the excellent anfield rap podcast all year <laughs> that liverpool fans think christian benteke is a bum yeah. and it's hard to <laughs> foist a bum onto another team you have to convince alan pardew that this guy is yeah. going to be a 20 goal scorer for you yeah and it's difficult too. The other thing that's funny is that you there's so many weird little rivalries within the Premier League mm-hmm. that you know Liverpool can't buy Ander Herrera, yeah, and Arsenal is not gonna buy Eric Dyer. I mean, yeah. they would never be able to buy Eric Dyer, even though technically I bet they could go and offer sixty million for yeah. him if they if they wanted to. Yeah. But that would never happen. And the same, so the, the, it's funny how sometimes fan bases or allegiances or rivalries can work against these transfers. Yeah, and it's sort of just. Well, one, it talks about how Liverpool kind of doesn't have any leverage with their Benteke negotiations because, like, everyone knows he's not going to play at all. Right. But it also it also sort of highlights how so much goes into, like, every transfer that we can never, like, look... Like, it's so easy to look at a transfer and be like, oh, this player went for 
10 million but then this other guy went for eight and he's so much better why didn't they just buy, right. buy him it's like every deal there's so much that goes into it that you can't really just compare yeah it's length of contract it's nationality yeah. it's international yeah you know, it's all sorts of stuff yeah um my other one my last one is um what to do what juventus should do with their mm -hmm. 100 million I would love to see them get Tony Cruz from Real Madrid. I don't think that's going to happen. How much uh, is he worth, according to his brother? <laughs> I think it's way more than Pogba, right? Um, Juventus has just had a really great history of having wonderful central midfielders going mm -hmm. back to Platini, I'm sure, before them, but Pirlo, Pogba. Yeah. Um, it would just be strange for them not to have like an expert in the middle of the park. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but I just find like the Juventus team, like the colors and the stadium and the mm -hmm. history of the team to be like maybe not romantic, but really enigmatic. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Cruz would be an incredible inheritor of that legacy of like cultured midfielders. Yeah. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Um, he is a bit of a dickhead, but I do <laughs> think that he would fit in on that um, on that Juventus team. And I just think that. It's going to be funny because, like, after all the buying and selling and moving around, I just have a feeling Juventus will probably be in and around the final four of the Champions League again next season. I mean, as long as they can keep Benucci. They always are. They're almost like Dortmund, but at a higher level yeah. Yeah. somehow. It's like they're sort of the team that everyone looks at and they just nail. It's like, oh, how'd you guys get Dybala? Yeah, yeah. Like, the difference between them and Dortmund is like Juventus gets someone like Sammy Kadira or Carlos Tevez for cheap because they know that he's going to, they're going to like, they're either out of contract. So you just have to pay for their contract or whatever, for whatever reason, their values, um, a little lower than it should be. Or for Juventus, like they're fighting for the, to win the champions league. So like an older Tevez is worth more to them yeah. than they are his is to another team. So they mix that in with like buying Dybala, who's like, looks like this, the next young great striker yeah. and nailing every purchase they made. Like they bought Pjanic from Roma, who's, who's a, a very good center midfielder. Um, they just got Benadia from Bayern Munich, who like most people think is good. I still don't know how to rate center backs despite watching as much soccer as I do. It's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a lot of it is based on the defensive midfield. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is like, it's, it's, it'll be sort of a bummer to see Pogba leave Juventus just because he seems to like have like an identity with that team I'm excited to watch but, more of him though yeah exactly and like have him be like more of a present personality and I'm um, glad he's not going to Real or Barca yeah I agree I mean, it, it's terrible that he's going to Manchester United let's not <laughs> uh skirt by that but it'll it's going to be a lot of fun to see what they do with the money just because they're so smart with it and they always seem to do the right thing so that'll be really interesting to watch play out. All right, Ryan and I will be back probably with another transfer pod before the beginning of the Premier League season, and then we'll probably do a Premier League preview in early August, maybe after the Community Shield, because we'll have to devote all of our attention to the Community Shield. Yeah. Until then, I'm Chris Ryan for Ryan O'Hanlon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>